<laughs> Good morning, friends. Well, welcome to the Compass Church. You know, I, I realize we've always got guests, and maybe this is your first time here. We are glad you are here, and our prayer is that you feel the love, and you feel the joy, and that you're glad you came, that you, you'll learn something and take a step closer in your journey with God. And so, welcome. And we're in a series called Fearless, and we're looking today at facing the fear uh, of suffering. Let me start with a little analogy. On Friday, I got to play soccer. Uh, my son's been in soccer league for a number of years, and at the end of each season, they have a Fathers Against the Sons soccer game. Here's a picture of all of us just from Friday. This is my son Jake over here making a goofy face. And it was very interesting. The dads, before the game, we, we huddled up. And one of the dads said, let me remind all of us what our goal is. He said, to stay out of the hospital. That is our goal. And that, that was a good goal. We're all in our 40s, some our 50s. And getting hurt bad is a real possibility. And so we played cautiously. Uh, my, my buddy Bill here was in goal, playing goalie, and one of the kids just kicked a great shot that went right past him, and his son was a little embarrassed and says, Dad, you got to dive for those. And he's like, sorry, son, I'm done diving. I don't do that no more, you know. And I, I remember one time I saw the ball right there, and uh, I was like, all right, I, I could run fast and get to it, but my physics is telling me that three charging boys will arrive at the same time. And though I'll win the momentum uh, dynamic there, I have no interest in a violent crash anymore. They bounce and I break, you know? And so I was like, go for it. Have fun, boys. You know, I took a pass on charging that, that moment. Uh, I was humiliated by this little guy, uh, Matea. He probably all of 50 pounds, but he is so fast, and he mocked me purposefully. He, he'd come dribbling down, and he'd be like, where is that guy? Oh, there he is, and he'd come right for me, and I would be like, yeah, I'm going to get you, and he would fake this way, and I'd get going, and then he would turn the other way, and my takes me about half an hour to reverse directions, and, and he was just around me so, so fast. This dad was a really good soccer player in his day. As a young man, he played soccer at very high levels. And there was a moment in the game that he forgot the whole don't get hurt goal. Uh, the ball had popped up in the air. You know, sometimes your mind reverts back to what you did when you were a younger person. And he just instinctively tried something that he used to do. He jumped up in the air, head goes down, feet go up, and it was brilliant. Boom, he kicked it so well. We were so impressed. And then, thud, he landed flat on his back. And I hear him, oh! We're all applauding. And he's, oh! And he gets up. And he's like, don't let me do that again, you know? And, and uh, hey, I, I am proud to say that at the end of the day, the dads were victorious, huh? Wait, wait, hold on. You remember what our goal was, right? Stay out of the hospital. We were victorious in that. The boys won the game. Uh, when, it, when it comes to points, there's no way you can win a game if your objective is to stay safe, right? 
If you're saying, oh, let's avoid everything that could cause me pain, you know, win a game that way. Now, I think it's a very good way for old men to play soccer. I'm not disagreeing with the strategy in this context. But I would tell you it's a bad way for Christians to live. If you live, uh, I hate pain, and I don't want to get hurt, and, and God's calling you to some task outside of your comfort zone, if you have a fear of suffering and you're like, ah, if I do that, it could be really hard and it could hurt and it could be difficult. Friends, the fear of suffering has caused many Christians to live lives missing out on God's great adventure for them. We got to get over this fear of suffering. And we're going to, through the help of God's word, the Apostle Paul wrote some brilliant words on this topic. I have loved the words we're going to study for decades, and returning to them brings me great joy. And if you don't love them already, my prayer is that these words and the truth we're about to see will be precious in your life. You ready? 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to just read verses 7 through 10, and then we'll go back and kind of work through it, making observations. So here we go. In order to keep me from becoming conceited, Paul says, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take the thorn away from me. But God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. And my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul adds, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, Then I'm strong. Oh, this is good stuff. Let's go back to verse 7, and let's take a look at this concept of a thorn in my flesh. The whole central concept to this section of Scripture is this difficulty in Paul's life that he refers to as a thorn in my flesh. That's a painful imagery. Imagine a big old thorn just jammed into your flesh, and the notion is that you can't take it away. It's stuck there. Paul's enduring it. It's a chronic pain. In fact, as some scholars have speculated as to what it literally was, some have thought maybe it was a physical chronic pain, some ailment that Paul endured. Others have said, no, I bet it was a person. Paul had a lot of people in his life, some of them very antagonistic towards him. You ever had a person who's a pain in the neck? That's kind of the notion there. The truth is we don't know what his thorn in the flesh was. And I think Paul used this vague metaphor because he wants us all to connect. You know, without, if, it, if we didn't have his specific problem, we'd say, oh, well, this doesn't apply to us. But we've all got thorns in the flesh. In fact, I would challenge you to bring one to mind. This study will be much more valuable to you if one of the challenges you face is brought to mind. And as you look for one, Let me remind you, verse 10, Paul used a couple words that are synonymous with thorn. He talked about weaknesses and difficulties. A difficulty is like a problem on the outside in the circumstances of life. A weakness is a problem on the inside. 
And so think about that. Do you have a circumstantial problem that's just driving you crazy? Maybe that's your thorn in the flesh. Or do you have a weakness, something that you are just terrible at, and you've been terrible at it all your life, and it causes you agony and pain? Maybe that's your thorn in the flesh. But bring one to mind. I've got a number that come to mind for me. Okay, how do we get over the fear of these thorns? Well, let's do this. Let's start by highlighting these two other words because the first thing we need to see is what's causing Paul's thorn and what causes ours. It's a little confusing because the first phrase, I was given a thorn, who's doing the giving? Remember this, in order to keep me from being conceited, somebody wants Paul to be humble, and so they're giving Paul this thorn. That's God. Paul sees God as the giver of this hardship. Sometimes God gives hardships because those hardships have purifying results in our lives. But it's not just God the giver, it's also a messenger of Satan. Somehow God's involved in the the source of this thorn, but somehow Satan's involved as well. And so let's put this in outline form. And I want to just list three causes of thorns. God, we've already seen. Satan was in that passage. Some of you are like, are you kidding me? You people believe in devils around here? All right, so here's the deal. It's not that astounding. You you know God can make free will beings, right? We are all free will beings. Humanity is. Well, the Bible simply records that we're not the only ones he made in that way. There's another group of created beings called angels, and uh, they were given free will, and some of them used their free will to abandon God. Led by one of the angels named Satan, Satan was like, you know, God, Satan said, I'm sick of your bit. I, I want my own gig. I want my own cause, my own kingdom. And he persuaded a bunch of angels to join him in the formation of a rebel kingdom. And uh, the Bible says that these rebellious angels can affect us. Though invisible, they can cause hardship to come our way. And so, yes, sometimes there's satanic cause. I have another cause here, the fall. You know what that means? The Bible records an event when humanity rebelled from God and a curse resulted. In other words, our world is broken. Shocker, huh? Uh, There's there's just a brokenness that's resulted from humanity's rebellion. And so when bodies get sick, when natural disasters strike, this is all just sometimes a function of the curse. So I know this is disappointing because when we look for the cause of our thorn, we want simplistic answers. We want just like one sentence that wraps it all up in a bow and says, this is why I'm dealing with that. But in the case of Paul, he's like, well, it's from God, but it's a messenger of Satan, and it's complex. More often than not, simplistic answers don't serve you well, because more often than not, the causes are complex. Some of you heard of Job in the Old Testament who had tons of thorns in the flesh, if you will. And when we look at his book, we find God saying, all right, Job, I'm going to allow Satan to bring you hardship. Both had a role. When we look at Joseph, who went through so much hardship at the hands of his brothers, he later spoke to his brothers and said, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Complex uh, factors. The cross of Jesus Christ. 
Jesus, speaking of the hour of his crucifixion, said in Luke 22, this is the hour where darkness reigns. It's like Satan had a heyday in the crucifixion. He was behind it, but is it all Satan? No. God was bringing about the most glorious rescue of many souls through the cross of Christ. And so, more often than not, the explanation for our suffering is complex. God's involved. Satan's involved, the fall's involved, and the really frustrating part is we'll never know until we get to heaven. We're left with this mystery, and we're left having to say, well, Lord, I don't think I fully understand all of the causes that have led to me dealing with this thorn, but we need to say, I'm okay with that. I don't fully know it all, but I know what components there probably are, and Lord, I trust you, and when I get to heaven, you'll You'll help me see and understand, and I'm, I'm good. So that's the first thing, the causes of the thorn and the complex explanation often behind them. What's next? The benefits. You say, what? Thorns in the flesh that hurt have upsides? Yes, they do. And the first of them, let's go to our passage, is what I call humility. Remember what it said? In order to keep me from becoming conceited, proud, I was given a thorn in the flesh. Paul is acknowledging I could be an arrogant man. Paul was given visions of spiritual truth that no one else received these visions. Paul was being used by God to impact so many lives. And Paul realized, I could get proud so easily. But God's using thorns to keep me humble. Let's go to our outline and put humility here. Friends, one of the great benefits of thorns is keeping you and I humble. Do you have any idea how important humility is in the eyes of God? This is like the pinnacle virtue. It's opposite, pride. That vice is what Satan, remember when Satan said, I want to start my own kingdom, worship me. It's all pride. And we run the risk of modeling and embodying the same demonic virtue of pride. And God says, no, I want genuinely humble people. And God says, oh, are thorns effective? and reminding folks of their limitations, their humanity. We're amazed at God. We're not amazed at ourselves. We're supposed to view ourselves with sober reality, just saying, hey, I'm a, I'm a broken fellow sinner, saved by grace and sustained by grace. And sometimes we forget that. But a thorn, a weakness, a difficulty knocks us off our pedestal. And reminds us of just how human we are. And I'll just tell you, I'm praying for me and for us these days. And I hope you pray along these lines. That we would be a humble church. That we would not be full of ourselves and impressed with ourselves. We'd be impressed with God. And that those thorns would be so effective at making us genuinely humble. So there's humility, but there's also power. Kind of like the opposite in some ways. God says, I'm going to humble you, but then empower you through the same thorn. And you say, how can that happen? Well, this is actually the central concept of this teaching, that thorns are the secret to unleashing God's power in our lives. Let me show it to you. Here in the passage, it says, Paul says, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. 
Paul says, I focused on my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Do you see that? We focus on our weaknesses, and that's the key to releasing Christ's power in us. Paul says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Which is a fantastic statement that makes no sense. You know, some of you, when you first glance, are you weak or are you strong? What do you mean you're, when you're weak, then you're strong? Well, if you're strong, you're not weak. Here's the key, what he's getting at. When in the flesh, naturally, I'm aware of my weakness. That's the secret to Christ's strength operating in me. And you say, well, I don't get it. Well, why does awareness of our weakness leads to his strength? Here's why. Those who are not aware of their weakness, that would be someone with self-confidence. Someone's like, I got this. I got life by the tail. I'm good. God's like, oh, are you? Well, you get none of my power then. The Lord wants to release his power in our lives, but so long as we're self-confident, we're unqualified for his power. And he's looking for people to be humbly dependent on him, saying, I'm not good. Things are not okay. I don't have life by the tail. I need you, Lord. And the Lord's like, ah, now you're humble. Now I can release my power. What gets us humbly dependent on him? Thorns. Thorns remind us of our weakness and need of the Lord. And so God says in Paul's life, Paul, these difficulties are going to keep you clinging to me. Do you realize, as Christians, we're always to be clinging to God. That's how we're saved, dependence on the Lord. I'm realizing dependency is such a major theme in all of life, the Christian life, that is. When we're saved, it's because we come to the end of ourselves. We say, Lord, I'm not that impressive. You know my moral excellence, and it's not excellent. I'm a disaster, and I need you to save me. Please, God, please. And so in salvation, the blood of Christ saves us. It's all dependent. But all of our lives are supposed to be this continual clinging to his salvation. Friends, when we cling to the Lord... His power is manifest in us. I thought I'd share just a little uh, example of this. There we go, power. I, I had a really interesting opportunity a week ago. I was invited to go to a lunch of six pastors, all Chicagoland senior pastors of large churches. And I'm like, this will be interesting. I came walking in, met some of these guys. I was never so intimidated in all of my life. I was physically intimidated. I was talking with three of them. (laughs) Two of them were a good head taller than me. I mean, they're looking down at me. Nice to meet you, young man. They didn't say that, but it felt that way. The, The third one I was talking to was a former professional football player before he became a pastor. Mountain of a man. Uh, All three of them are in great physical shape. I not as much. And so the difference was just very apparent to me in that moment. Not only was I physically intimidated, I was intellectually intimidated. We got into conversations about where we went to school. Ready for this? Yale, Cambridge, Princeton. I'm like, oh my. Two of them had doctorates. I got intimidated by their accomplishments. Do you know that all of them were published authors? Uh, together, they had written 23 books. Have you read my book? No? 
No, it doesn't exist. Two of them have radio programs. One of them is a host of a TV program where he's received four Emmy Awards for his work there. I just sat around this table and I'm like, man, do I feel small. Uh, my deficiencies were so evident in that moment. Do you ever get around people who are really good at things and you just realize, wow, I'm not. I mean, I'm like, wow, I see, I, I see my physical deficiencies, my intellectual deficiencies, my leadership deficiencies, my writing deficiencies, my social deficiencies. These guys were just outgoing, you know, bigger than life, light up the room personalities, and I'm a little more quiet and shy and... Some of you are looking at me with such compassion. You're like, oh, <laughs> Jeff, you're not that bad. Come on. And some of you are inclined to even say, Jeff, you're not deficient. And those are, hey, don't say that. I believe my awareness of my deficiencies is the secret to my power. Isn't that what the Bible says? That it's through keen awareness of how weak we are in these various areas that God keeps us humble that God keeps us desperately reliant on him, and that's when and where he releases his supernatural power. So you got to know, I'm praying that for you too. I'm praying that you would see your deficiencies. Not that you just feel like you have low self-esteem. I want you to have a robust self-esteem in Christ, but I also pray that you don't get over feeling weak. And say, oh, no, I'm great. No, I'm praying that you see your weakness so clearly and that those thorns lead to you clinging to Jesus. And that clinging leads to a manifestation of his power in your life. I'm praying that as you seek to love your family, there'd just be a Christ power flowing through you in that endeavor. As you strive to serve at church, his power manifest in your serving. As you try to represent him at your workplace and in your neighborhood, I'm just praying that because of your humble dependency, his power is at work. Uh, that's what he wants, is it not? For us to be a people who are truly humble. We're not impressed with ourselves. We're impressed with him. And not only that, we are desperately clinging to him. And as a result, we're an empowered people. That's what God wants the Compass Church to be. Well, humility is a benefit, power is a benefit. One more, you ready? Honor. And by honor, I don't mean we get honor. By honor, I mean we give honor to Jesus. When this thorn in the flesh thing does as the Lord intended, he is honored. Christ is. Look at this verse. Do you remember it says, that is why for Christ's sake... This benefits Jesus when I delight in my weakness. Do you see why Christ is honored in all of this? Listen, when extraordinary people accomplish extraordinary things, does God get honored? No, they get honored. But when ordinary people are empowered by God, folks look at them and they're like, how do I make sense of this? It's got to be a God thing. God gets the credit, not the people. That's why God loves this. In fact, the Lord has always had, you can read about it in Scripture, cover to cover, this curious habit of looking for painfully ordinary people to empower and advance his cause. 
God's like, oh, you're a bit of a train wreck. Fantastic, you're what I'm looking for because when I do great things through you, folks will never mistaken that to be your doing. They will give me the honor as is appropriate. And so if you're painfully aware of your ordinariness, that's not a liability. That's an asset. Lean into that. And so uh, as we go to the next section here, we've seen that to get over our fear of thorns, our fear of pain, suffering, we got to say, okay, I understand causes and it's mysterious and complex, but I'm good with that. I understand benefits. Thorns are not all bad, man. Some humility, power, and honor to the Lord can come out of thorns. And you say, yeah, but how am I going to deal with it? Well, this passage also lays out solutions. And so let's learn about some solutions that can be very, very helpful. The first is prayer. Did you notice what Paul did solution-wise with his thorn was bring it to the Lord in prayer? You saw that, didn't you? Let's go back. The verse was 8-9. Paul says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take the thorn away. When it says three times, he pleaded. Is that, Lord, take it away. Lord, take it away. Lord, take it away. Is that three quick little prayers? No. The scholars actually think that this is a reference to three seasons of prayer. Where Paul you know, said, Lord, I'm going to dedicate this season to prayer and fasting. I hate this thorn. And I know you have the power to just remove it. So I'm going to commit to prayer and I'm going to ask you to take this problem out of my life. Well, at the end of that first season of prayer, what did God say? No. The Lord blessed Paul with the grace to endure, but he didn't take away the thorn. A little later, maybe years later, Paul says, I feel inclined for a second season of prayer. And he devoted himself. Lord, I know you're capable, just like that, of removing this problem. Would it be your will to do so? No. Third season of prayer. And, and Paul just realized, you know, God wants me to stick with this. Now, some of you say, that's very discouraging. Jeff, why would I want to pray if it doesn't help? Listen, Paul was praying urgently, fervently, because he knew sometimes God does do just what we ask and remove the thorn. That's why we should pray. It's one of the reasons we should pray is that God may just say, you know, thank you for asking and I'm going to take this problem away from you. Sometimes, like in Paul's case, he does not. But either way, we will be blessed to have prayed. Friends, it's a sin to deal with the thorn and not bring it to the Lord in prayer. And so we must say, Lord, this is hard. Would it be your will, God? If it's your will, take it away. Miraculously remove this problem. But if it's not, I will faithfully endure it with your strength. In fact, that's our next point. You see the word grace here? The second of the solutions is grace. Uh, if, if God says no to answering prayer and taking it away, God will say yes to giving us the grace. He says, my grace is sufficient. Isn't that a great word? Sufficient means my grace is good enough to help you endure this thorn. Grace is God's undeserved blessing, favor, love. 
God says, though you don't deserve it, I'm going to lavish my love on you in tangible forms of support. And you know what? That's all we need to get through a season of having to endure a thorn. Uh, King David in Psalm 23 said, even though I got to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because you are with me. With your grace, your love, your help, I can get through this valley. And friends, if, if God says no, let's go to our outline. If God says no to your prayer for the thorn to be removed, he will always say yes to grace. He'll give you enough of his loving, undeserved loving support to get you through life with the thorn. Okay? There's one more. One more, and that is delight. And I know this sounds crazy. What? I'm supposed to enjoy delight, thorn and thorns. Remember what it said in the passage here. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecution. I know it sounds crazy. It's as if you know. Imagine if I had been playing soccer on on Friday and I broke my leg. You know, I'm laying there on the ground. Are you okay, Jeff? <laughs> I broke my Sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? How can that be true? How can you delight in a thorn? Here's how. It's not the simplistic delighting in the thorn itself, but it's delighting in the fuller story of what the thorn accomplishes. Paul's looking, when he says, I delight in weaknesses, he's looking at the fuller story. He's like, I prayed that God would remove it, but God said, no, I'm not going to. God says, I'm going to give you my grace, which will be sufficient to see you through. And Paul's like, his grace has been sufficient to see me through. And not only that, but this thorn has kept me humble. Paul would say, this thorn has made me dependent on God, and God's power has shown up in my life as a result of the thorn. That's what Paul's rejoicing, and it's the fuller picture. It's, it's kind of like what I uh, experienced at the table with these pastors. When I'm seeing all of my deficiencies, I was not weeping about it. I was actually smiling inside and out. I'm like, oh, Lord, you made me uh, weak at that and that and that and that. But those weaknesses are bringing a measure of humility and desperate reliance, and your power has come as a... I see what you're up to. Brilliant idea, Lord. I celebrate it. I love it. And friends, that's the same with you. Can you grow to where... Let's go to our outline. Can you grow to where you no longer fear thorns? You actually, when you realize the Lord's calling you to endure it, actually kind of delight in them or at least what they bring about in your life. Don't run from thorns. You know, be, be weary, be weary of being impressed with Christians who seem they have it all together. You know, there are a lot of Christians who are like, yeah, I got life, oh, Christian life is awesome, no problems in my life. The truth is they're like a soccer player who like me on Friday, is avoiding all hardship. They're carefully organizing their lives to avoid any situations that are beyond their comfort zone. 
Even though the Lord's calling them to go out on a limb, they're clinging to the trunk and they won't do it. And so we need to be those who say, hey, I'm okay with pain. I'm okay with suffering. Jesus, if you call me, I'm going to follow you out to the hairy edge of the limit of my ability to where I'm a little overwhelmed and desperately clinging. This is being a little overwhelmed out there. This is normal. This is good. This is not something to be ashamed of. This is where Christians are called to live, following Jesus, clinging to him, finding humility at result, finding strength, meeting your dependence. And that's beautiful in God's eyes and what we're all called to live. And so let's pray together that that dynamic would be true in us. Lord, I lead us all in prayer. And as a group, we cry out to you. God, may it be so. May the thorns in our lives make us, the people of the Compass Church, truly humble. Let, the people, let us never be impressed with ourselves, but only with you. And God, not only humility, would your thorns in our lives make us a group that is just clinging, all of us clinging to you, And as a result of our dependency, God, let your power be manifest in our weakness. May the people of the Compass Church, may we be a people not marked by human impressive accomplishments. May we be marked by divine power. Ordinary folk empowered by the power of Christ. That's what we want. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.